0: feels like a while. That's only because it has been. Between holidays and um, having a lacking in throat, but you've kind of been really blessed with some pretty rich food while I've been, you know, just doing nothing out the back there (laughs) or something like that. Hey, um, this week Deb and I are going up to spend time with about 80 or so pastors and leaders from all over Australia. We're going to be up near Mount Tambourine, just kind of Gold Coast hinterland, right where all the cults have their home. Um, and we're going to be having some massive Godfire going on up there and um, heart revolution leaders advance 2017. Um, it's just going to be crack open fire glory it's going to be we're just a tad excited. Um, Megan's, going Megan's going too Megan has yeah. gone now she's doing oh good. she's doing youth. Um, Megan will be up there as well. Um, So if you can pray for us this week, that'd be good. Um, We're we're doing a few sessions, we're doing a few things here and there, and um, involved with some of our very dear friends um, who we love doing this stuff with. And the more we get pastors and leaders wrecked, drunk, um, in the spirit that is, um, and full of life and hearts cracking open, the better the water level in Australia. So um, we fly up very early Wednesday morning, we'll be there, I think we come back Saturday, Um, and we'll be back here on Sunday. So if you can pray for us this week, we would be eternally grateful. But uh, we are very expectant, very excited. Now, last week, the week before, whenever it was, I think Deb mentioned too that um, coming up soon, we are going to do a whole lot of stuff around destiny and alignment. And um, just a kind of pricky curiosity, just a tad, what what I've really felt um, in the few weeks where I haven't been able to say much is... It's time to get really activated and aligned and it's time for all of us, for our clock and our compass to get in alignment. Our clock is how we spend our time and our compass is the direction that our, of our destiny in our life. And when our clock and our compass aren't fully in alignment, we feel frustrated, we feel like what we're doing is just biding time. Um, whereas when our clock and our compass are in alignment, it's exciting. We feel like everything that we're doing is towards something significant Um, And I was kind of thinking that the level of excitement in the room about that would be a tad higher. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's too late now. The moment's passed. Um, But uh, particularly through the month of August, we're going to really focus in on that. But through July, at least on Sundays, we'll probably build into it um, a little. And there's going to be a whole lot of different ways that we're going to do that and a whole lot of different opportunities, um, including I've booked a week where my business is not allowed to touch my calendar and I want to spend at least an hour one-on-one with as many people as I can cram into a week um, after we've done a whole lot of things to help you uncover stuff. So just to prick your curiosity a little uh, because this, prophetically, this is the year to step into the fullness of who we really are. This is what we've been saying since the beginning of the year and it's no good to just keep speaking that without getting really pragmatic in helping people align that because some people go, yeah, that's great, that's awesome. I don't know what to do. So we're going to help with that. Um, So, a little excited about that. Feel free to be as well. Feel free to breathe, smile, um, do anything of the sort like that. Um, Today, I want to talk about past miracles and present provision. And what I want to do is I want to pick up on something that Rod did a few weeks ago while Deb and I were away on holidays when he did that message on transferring kingdom thinking. It was an absolute rip-snorter. That's good, by the way. Um, If you didn't hear it, can I, it's on the podcast, can I encourage you to, um, to get hold of that? Um, because it was deeply, deeply, deeply insightful. And um, if you didn't hear that or you weren't here, let me pick up on it really quickly. And if you happen to have a Bible, why don't you flick it open to Luke chapter 9? And I'm going to jump around in Luke 9 for a minute and then into Mark chapter 6 and 8. And then I want to land it with something really, really practical. How many of you saw the Facebook post I put up earlier today that said, I want you to think about past times in your world where God has intervened, where God has done stuff? A few of you saw that. If you didn't, just start now. Start thinking about and remembering past times where God has intervened in your life, where God has miraculously done stuff. He's provided for you. He's, he's given you favour. He's given you opportunity. He's opened doors. He's healed you. He's released you. He's freed you. He's, he's just done something that's in some way made your life better and made you more aware of him in the process. So just keep that brewing in the background because those events in our life are really, really important. So let me recap a little of, um, of what Rod talked about in Luke chapter 9. So this is um, the first time that the 12, the 12 disciples have been sent out, not because they've been bad, <laughs> out. <laughs> okay, that was an attempt at a joke. Is anyone awake? Come on. <laughs> yeah, it was an attempt. Thank you, Maximus. Thank you. <laughs> Might have been a bad attempt, but at least it was an attempt. So they had been sent out, um, and they had been sent out to invade the impossible. They had been sent out with a commission to go and heal the sick, cast out demons. Those are kind of impossible on your own. And they came back, going, you know, the sick were healed, and we, you know, all of these, they came back and reported to Jesus all these amazing things that happened. And then coming into uh, round verse 10. They come into another impossible situation. They've got a lot of people who are very, very hungry and they don't have a whole lot of food. And if you look at John's account, I think it is, um, it's Jesus posts a question to Philip and says, Ah, what are we going to do with all these people? And he said, He said this to test him because he knew exactly what he was going to do. What he wanted to see was they had just come back from a mission where they had invaded the impossible. They're now faced with another impossible situation. Did they get it? Did they get it back here? And were they able to transfer that thinking, that paradigm, where impossibilities bowed the knee into this situation that was impossible? And, of course, we know that they didn't and they couldn't. And uh, as we read through, we start to find out that this particular, this story and also the one where Jesus feeds the 4,000, which comes up shortly, two really important stories because of the way that we're talked about, they're talked about. we'll see that in a moment. So what they weren't able to do was go, okay, over here we faced an impossible situation. What did we do? What happened? Well, we stepped out in faith. God met us and did the supernatural and did the miraculous. Here we have another impossible situation. If God did it there, I wonder if he could do it here. That was all it took. Now, it's so easy for us to say because, you know, we have hindsight and we've read the end of the story and I reckon if we were in it just like them, we would have done exactly the same as what they did. So, um, you know, I hear too many preachers criticising the disciples and I think, you know what, I think they did amazing. (laughs) Given what they were faced, you know, 400 years of nothing prophetic or supernatural happening in the world, all of a sudden, John the Baptist and Jesus rock up and all of a sudden the game has completely changed. they're just trying a little hard to keep up. I reckon they did all right. You know, we go off at Peter for taking his eyes off Jesus and sinking, but he walked on water for goodness sake. I haven't done that yet. Anyway, that's just a thought. I I think the disciples did pretty okay. So I want to jump over to Mark's account. So if you want to jump back to Mark chapter 6. if you've got your Bibles, your iPhones, and the like. And I want to pick up around verse 45. And where I'm going here, for those of you who like the big picture first, which is me, where I'm going is what we start to uncover here is a significant way that the kingdom works and operates that is really, really important for us. If we want to take kingdom ground, if we want to take territory in the kingdom, whether it be in our own lives, in a destiny kind of way... There is a way that the kingdom operates that's revealed here that is absolutely critical. And if we don't understand how the kingdom of God operates, we'll just operate like people of the earth and wonder why heaven isn't invading. But all the way through, Jesus is trying to teach us, this is how my kingdom operates. Step into my kingdom and operate like that and you'll start to see it as a natural response, not something you have to work out. So that's what I'm going after. Cool with that? All right. Mark chapter 6, verse 45. So this is right after, in Mark's account, this is right after Jesus has fed the 5,000. Verse 45, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat, go on ahead of him to Bethsaida, where he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went on the mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake. He was alone on the land. We know this story fairly well. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind and waves were against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake, as you do. He was about to pass them by. So get this, like, there's so much in the Gospels to me that's just really funny. So these 12 guys that Jesus has been investing his life in, right, they're in this boat, they are really doing it tough in there. They're straining, they're scared, there's wind, there's waves. Jesus comes out walking on the water, which in itself is like, huh? And you'd think you'd kind of go, hey, guys, check this. I've so got this. Come on. That's what, probably what I would have done. <laughs> Guys, check this out. Look, on the water. Yeah, that's why I'm not him. That's precisely true. And that's not the only reason why not, but that will do for now. <laughs> and, geez, he just he just goes to rock on past as if he's just walking by and he, he kind of ignores them. It's like, dude. <laughs> anyway, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Now, if you understand boating people, in that day, when they saw a ghost, they thought they were about to die. So at this point, they think it's lights out. You know, it's game over. So immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. This is probably the point where he goes, Guys, I got this. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed. Here's the key verse verse 52. For they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. See, to me, that's a fascinating little line right there that Mark puts in. What has the loaves got to do with the water? To me, they're entirely different contexts, entirely different situations. There was 5,000 people here. There was just us here. Like, there just isn't a relationship. Like, Jesus, come on, chill, dude. Give us a break. There are a couple of other. Um, In the New American, it says, For they had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves, but their heart was hardened. Or the Amplified, which is really loud. Okay, you got that a little quicker. Good. (laughs) (laughs) For they failed to consider or understand the teaching and meaning of the miracle of the loaves, and in fact their hearts had grown callous, had become dull, and lost the power of understanding. I love the way both of those just kind of break it out and um, open it up for us a little bit more. So if you get this, it says they didn't understand, which was a mind kind of thing, they didn't understand because of the condition of their heart. Now, you would think understanding is an issue of the brain. It's a cognitive thing. But it actually says they didn't get it here because of something that was going on here. Are we making sense? So what's going on here actually determines whether we grasp kingdom stuff here. Really, really critical thing because what we're talking about and where we're heading is, can we take the nutrients from God's workings in our life and use them to take kingdom ground in situations that we face either now or ahead of us? And doing that is an issue of the heart. Now, let's go to Mark chapter 8. Let's jump over. It's actually on the same double-page spread in my Bible. Verse 14. So now, just to fill in the gap, so they've had this experience. They've had a few other little things happen, like the healing of a deaf mute. And then Jesus had fed 4,000 people. So now twice... Jesus has done this supernatural provision thing. And then we come to verse 14 of chapter 8. Actually, before that, it's, it's funny. The Pharisees, verse 11, the Pharisees came and began to question Jesus to test him. They asked him for a sign from heaven. Like, what, where were they for the last few chapters? Like, as if feeding 5,000, walking on water, healing a deaf, mute man, feeding 4,000. If that's not sign enough, I don't know what is. It's like, anyway. So, they left, they got back into the boat, they crossed the other side. Verse 14 of chapter 8. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Now, they're really, you can kind of hear, they're, <laughs> they're getting really set up here. And then Jesus says, be careful, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Now, as usual, Jesus is talking parabolically. He's not talking about physical yeast. He's talking about something that influences from the inside and then they discussed this with one another and said it's because we've got no bread in other words they're thinking we're we're busted you know we haven't bought the food we're not prepared we have no bread keep in mind they had no bread twice before in front of 5,000 and 4,000 Jesus rocked up with the bread so to speak not because he got it from the shop I know, this is the thing. Like You just kind of think, I hope I would have got it by now. But again, I suspect I may have been a tad like the disciples, especially Peter, who I just resonate with because he talks before he thinks a lot. So verse 17, aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you still talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? And then again, are your hearts hardened? Again, he makes that exact same link again. You can't understand because of something that's going on here. Do you have eyes that fail to see, ears that fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many baskets did you pick up? Seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? So what we've got here is both of these instances, Jesus keeps coming back to and saying, The reason you're hitting this stuff, like um, other versions say, why do you reason that you have no bread? In other words, why are you going on with this logical argument based in human reasoning about your lack? You have seen supernatural provision take place and now your reasoning is still centred around what you don't have. Where he says, in verse 21, where he says, do you still not understand, the Greek word there, It means to employ one's capacity for understanding and thus to arrive at insight. In other words, it's not that I just get it cognitively, but I actually arrive at a place of insight or a place of revelation. And in this instance, I want to suggest the insight is, aren't you getting how my kingdom works yet? See, what they were in the situation of is they had... had Direct experience of the miraculous workings of God. They didn't get it when they faced different situations. So they'd seen the healing, they'd seen the miracles, and then when it came to provision and food, they weren't able to transfer there. But then even when it came to the exact same situation that they've now seen twice, and it's exactly—it's—it's it's about bread, it's about food. It's like, if I can... Pardon me, if I can feed 5,000, I can feed 4,000. There's 12 of you. Like, I got this. Yet you're still reasoning about your lack. Here's the thing. The previous workings of God in our life teach us something about how his kingdom works. And they teach you and they prophesy to your, pro- your current problems and to your future. So what, what we tend to do, too often we get the benefit from the miracle. Let's say God miraculously provides for us at the 11th hour, like we have a financial need. He miraculously provides for us at the 11th hour and we go, oh, wow, that's amazing, God, thank you. We take the benefit there, but we don't stop and go, what did this teach me about who God is? to me what did this teach me about how his kingdom operates what does this teach me about how i should respond in that situation again because when we don't do that and we get to another situation where we're in need we respond in exactly the same way the way we did before so we're back at point a when we should be at point b or c now because we've seen him do this before are we making sense So this is the part of the renewing of the mind that we often miss. We, we get the part. Let's get into the scriptures. Let's let his word flood our heart and our mind and let our minds be. We get that. We've been preached that for as long as most of us have been alive. What we haven't yet, I don't think, learned to do well, we do it in bits, but we haven't let, yet learned to do well, is to look at our current situation and go back in our life, where have I faced something like this before? What did God do there? Therefore, how do I need to respond here to bring the same breakthrough that I had here into this situation right here? See, once you have experienced a miracle in an area of your life, there are certain kinds of thinking that are now absolutely illegal. I remember when, um, when we got the house that we're now living in and just the story of that, yeah, some of you have heard it and told it a few times, uh, but the way that God led us there um, and the things that God did in the midst of that Were just to me so obviously his fingerprints all prints all over it, and I remember saying to Deb after we got the house, I said, uh, because I I just could feel God saying, this is not just about a house. This is about upgrade. This is about you. And what I said it was, we cannot afford to ever think the same way again because of what God has done here. In other words, he's not wanting to just upgrade our physical living quarters. He's wanting to stretch out our tent pegs and our curtain pegs and all of those pegs and things that you see in Isaiah 54. He's wanting to upgrade our thinking so that we never approach another situation with the same mindset that we had before we had that miracle. So in that way, we start to take kingdom territory. In that way, we start to live from heaven to earth because often the provision for what we need right now is in some of the stuff that God has done in us before. So that scripture that says, he will not let you be tempted beyond that which you can bear. We, most of us have heard that and we're all ludicrously thankful for it. We think of that as a moral imperative because it uses the word tempted. And we say, well, he's not going to put in front of us something where we're going to be tempted beyond, you know, we get that from a moral sense. But what we haven't done is dug a little deeper into that and realize what the kingdom principle there is, is God is not going to put us into a situation where he hasn't released the provision for that already. So whatever the situation you're facing right now, whatever it is or whatever situation you will face in the days ahead, there is provision already there for you. It's just that we often don't see it. And we end up going around the mountain on the same problems when all we need to do is take the breakthrough from the previous and get it into this situation. Finance has been a big deal um, in that for me personally. And I remember you know, a period early in our married life where we had really not very much cash at all. Um, It was, yeah, not a lot at all. Um, And the way that God came through in that situation, when we faced another situation where we were really winging it by faith, I found it I, I, I could not get anxious because all I had to do, whenever the anxiety started to rise up, all I would do is go back and remember what God did back here. And I would stay there with that memory long enough until the anxiety left my heart, I now felt in faith, and then I could talk to my situation. Is this making sense? It's the value of the testimony because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of the things that he has done in your life... fell short, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Yeah, no. The testimony of the things that God has done in your life... Other things that prophesy to the struggles and the situations you face because he never leaves you without provision. He never leaves you without what you need for whatever situation that you're facing. So the provision, if we go back to the disciples, they're in the boat. According to what we see here, they're astonished because they didn't understand about the loaves. In other words, the provision that they needed for that situation was in the miracle that had happened just before, but they didn't know. They didn't recognize it. The provision for when they had no bread was in the now two or three miracles prior. But they missed it still. And we often... We often focus on what we lack. We often focus on the size of the situation rather than going, okay, I see you. God, where have you worked before? Where have you worked the impossible in my life before? Where have you broken through in a relationship in my life before? Where have you supernaturally sustained me? Where have you supernaturally provided for me? Where have you opened doors of favor? Where have you supplied me what I need? You know, I think about this in terms of the business, in terms of you know, the supply of, of work and client flows and all of that. And when that starts to look dry, I can either go, i oh, and go into freak out mode and go and do what everyone else in the world would do and start cold calling, or I can go back to the times where. God provided, I can sit in that, I can let that hit my heart, let that hit my spirit until I'm now in an absolute place of faith that God is a God who provides and that this is his business, not mine. And then I start to declare from that place of faith and stuff starts to change. Are we making sense? This is the living from heaven to earth life. This isn't just, well, what do I have to do? What strategies do I have? This is, this is the supernatural life. So not only do we transfer the thinking, but we use the workings of God in the past as our emotional and spiritual anchors to get us back into a place of faith. Because then once we're in a place of faith, what we declare has spiritual power. Sometimes we declare too early. We declare out of our anxiety the opposite of our anxiety and wonder why it doesn't break through. Because it's the declaration of faith that has power in the spiritual realm. Now, sometimes we declare to get ourselves in faith. I get that. And I'm, I'm cool with that. As long as we don't do the declaration as an act of denial. So for me, my, my own personal practice is step back. Go into the places where God has worked before. Step into that. Meditate on that experience. In the same way that you meditate on promises and scriptures. Meditate on that experience remember what that was like, remember the breakthrough, remember how it felt emotionally, all of those things, remember, and then when that, the remembrance of that possesses me to a place where every cell of my being is feeling it, that's the place to say, God, you've so got this, you've done it before, you will do it again, and it might look different this time, but you're the same God and you're going to break through. Are we making sense? So what I want you to do, if you've got a device there that you'd like to write on, I want you to pull it out. And if you need paper, a texter or two or something, we have them here. And I'm sure some very smart person will find a way to get that to you if you need it. Thank you, Steph. So if anyone needs paper or if you've got your iPhones or other devices, feel free to use that. Kel, can you flick that slide up for me? So I want to anchor this really pragmatically. And I want you to capture this, like I said, whether it's on your device and your notes apps or whether it's on a piece of paper. I feel like it's important to capture this. Another one over here. Thanks, Steph. And what we're going to do in the short time that we have here, this is an example of how you can put this principle into practice in a really practical, tangible way. So number one if you want to throw the first question up, I want you to write down as many God interventions as you can remember. Okay, I'm going to give you about three minutes and we're talking about times where God has provided for you, where he has sustained you, where he has touched you, where he has met you, where he's opened doors for you, he's healed you, he's provided for you. He's answered your prayers. He's given you the desires of your heart. So I want you to jot down as many of those as you can remember. <laughs> like I said, I want you to continue this after. This is, you know, try this at home. <laughs> this is not so dangerous you can't try this at home. Try this at home. But just in the next couple of minutes, jot down as many as you can remember. I'd love to do that, sure. Because the other thing, this is one of the beauties of community, because it's actually a really good point, Steph. One, One of the beautiful things of community is sometimes the provision for what I need is in the person next to me. I may not have had a breakthrough in that area of my life, but someone else has, and when they release the testimony, they're prophesying to my situation. So, like doing the Christian life on your own sucks dirt. It's no fun. It's not biblical as an idea either, but it just sucks as a practice as well. Another, another 90 seconds or so. Just keep jotting down as many of those interventions as you can remember. Another thirty seconds. Okay. Now remember that that word "understanding" in Mark eight twenty-one, and it's the same word when Jesus said, "Don't you understand?" Um, before. Remember, it's to employ one's capacity for understanding and thus to arrive at insight. And in particular, I believe the insight is around how this kingdom of his operates. So the next questions are about doing that very thing. So next question. What is the lesson? What is the lesson from that miracle? It may be that God God provides. It may be I don't need to worry. Maybe he's got this. I mean, I'm just giving you examples to give you an idea, but just pick one or two right now and just go, what's the lesson here? (coughs) This is for me where I've just gone, I flatly refuse to get anxious about money. Doesn't mean I always like what I see in front of me. But I flatly refuse to get anxious about it because it would be dishonouring what God has done in the past to do that. So what's the lesson? And I'll put the next question up as well, which is who is God showing himself to be to you through that intervention? They're kind of similar questions, so I'll leave them both up there and just give you a pick one or two. What's the lesson? Who is God showing himself to be to you? Okay, and the last question. Therefore, what is the promise for your situation that you're facing right now or for your future? So there may be a current situation that this is really applicable to you or it may be a promise for you in your future that if you hit that situation, you know you've got a you know you've got a testimony attached to that situation. Okay, now we've done that as a bit of a kind of a, a mental exercise with some spirit involved because it's, you know, <laughs> he's here and it's, sun- <laughs> it's Sunday. Um, because it's obviously about the working of, of of God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit in our life. Um, late, late last year, one of the things I, I said it was in the context of the provision series, was I believe that there are three core revelations that are being released in this day that, that are like pillars of revelation. One of them is his heart, as in the heart of God, the Father heart of God, and us realising that, that he is so much better than we think. It's a key revelation. And with that learning to... You know, I think I said this last time. If I was to say to Deb, you know, hear my heart, and then I say something, what I'm saying is interpret what you're about to hear in the context of what you know to be true already about my heart for you. That, that's what we're saying. When you say that saying, yeah, I hear my heart, usually, hopefully it's not setting it. look, I'm, I kind of like you, but I'm about to hit you, so prepare. It's not meant to be that. But when we say hear my heart, what we're saying is interpret this in, through the grid of what you know to be true for my heart you already. I don't know if we've always read scripture like that. As in, I don't know if we've always read scripture as in interpreted it through the grid of what we know to be true of his heart already. And as we experience him more, we get to know more of his heart. Therefore, scripture starts to look and to feel entirely different because we're interpreting it through a different grid. See, I can use this book to say some of the most religious, judgmental, Pharisaic, horrible things because you get out of it the grid that you come to it with. Yeah, we read it with a grid, with a paradigm, and as we experience his heart, it shifts our grid and it shifts our paradigm, and so we actually see things that we never saw before. That's good. So that, that's his heart. The second one I said was his ways, as in the ways of God, and we know from Scripture that his ways are higher than our ways. Yeah, as high as the heavens are above the earth, I think Isaiah 55, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Jesus said, John chapter 3, I think it was, um, he said to the disciples, I've spoken to you of earthly things and you don't get it. How will you cope if I talk to you of heavenly things? In other words, I've spoken to you about spiritual stuff that has an earthly parallel and you're not getting it. So what's going to happen when I speak to you of heavenly stuff, stuff of the spirit that actually has no earthly parallel whatsoever? See, in other words, that's the sense of his ways. His ways are so much higher than our ways. And the third is how his kingdom works. And that is taking those first two and, and understanding how his kingdom operates such that heaven is actually transferred to earth experientially, not just conceptually. In other words, we don't have to retreat to our theology to know that God is here. <laughs> I thought that was a way better point than your response. <laughs> Okay, so, we don't have to retreat to our theology that says that God is everywhere to know that He is here. We can't kind of deny it because of the strength of His presence. That's, that's the idea. That's, that's how we're meant to live. What we're saying with these questions is we're looking at the interventions of God in our life and we're going, what does this tell me about His heart? What does this tell me about His ways? What does this tell me about how His kingdom operates? And then we bring ourselves into alignment with that in our current situation. And we use the testimony of the past to prophesy into our situation from a place of anchored faith because we've sat in the miracle of the past. Now, if you're wondering what I mean by that, how many of you have ever thought of a situation in the past that's made you angry, that made you angry back then and it's made you angry now just by thinking about it? Is that just me or is that anyone else that's had that? It's pretty easy. I'm talking about using exactly the same skill, but for good. Okay? Does that that make sense? It's so easy to meditate on something that someone did in the past that made you angry in the past, and it makes you angry now. So easy. That's how to meditate. Just use it for good. Okay? Go back to the things that God did. Plonk yourself right in the middle of that situation, in your mind, in your heart. Let that nourish you. And then, and, and then come out when you feel it, you actually feel different and start to talk to your situation and things will be different. Now, one more thing I want to say and then I'm going to shush. If you believe that, you'll believe anything. <laughs> no, no. Um, um, what Steph said has, pr- has pricked a really good idea. What are, uh, after Steph said, it wouldn't be really good to share that. Heck yes. That would be amazing to do that. Here's what I want to suggest, because we don't have time to do everyone right now. We'll be here till midnight, although that would be a really good few hours, (laughs) a good use of a few hours. What I said after that was, quite often, the breakthrough that I need and the testimony that I need may not be in my world because I've never experienced it before, but someone else has. Here's what I want you to do. Tonight, tomorrow, somewhere in the next 24 hours, I want you to get on our church Facebook, you know, our internal one. Hey, if you aren't on it, come and talk to Deborah or I and we'll fix that for you. Okay? And if you don't have Facebook, if you're you know, of that persuasion, <laughs> um, you can go on to um, i61.com.au and send a contact message with the story in it. And just hit send and it'll come through to us and we'll put it up there for you. But I want you to flood Facebook with testimonies of things God's done for you in the past. Okay? It doesn't mean you have to write a a three-thousand-word essay, but just, just give us the key. You had five thousand. You had a book, I'm sure. Another one. Um, But I want you to start to flood Facebook with testimonies of things that God has done in your life. To say, I remember when God did this. I was facing this situation. Here's what God did. Here's who He was to me. Thank you, God. Because that might be the very testimony that somebody else in the community needs for the situation they're facing right now. And that's why community is a beautiful thing. Sometimes your breakthrough is in the person behind you or the person next to you. Are we getting the idea... Where I feel, before we get into all the, the specific destiny alignment stuff, I just feel like there's some ground we need to go a little bit deeper in understanding how this kingdom operates. And this is a key principle about how his kingdom and faith operates so that we're always taking ground and not coming up against exactly the same problem time after time and not changing how we face it. Are we making sense? Let's stand. Also, babe. Oh, the, good, the great news is when I, when I pray, after I pray, There's possibly going to be a rush toward the kitchen because there was a woman's night on Friday night and there's a lot of food left over. And it needs to be eaten. It's compulsory. Speaking of provision and multiplication of food, we're seeing it in front of us. So feel free to stay around, partake of the glorious food and talk to each other about some of the things that God has done. You know when Psalm says, one generation will declare your works to another... It's doing this kind of thing. It's just saying, hey, this is what God did for me. What did God do for you? Okay, I did say stand up and half of you are sitting down. Come on, upsies, let's go. I know, I started talking. (laughs) The miracle is I stopped and paused for a brief moment. Okay. Okay, let's just assume some form of thankful position. Whatever that is for you, just some form of thankful position. Jesus, we want to acknowledge your workings in our life. For the things that we've written down on those pieces of paper and for a whole lot more that we can't remember uh, or can't remember just right now, we want to say from the bottom of our hearts, thank you for intervening in our world. Thank you for showing yourself strong on our behalf. Thank you for being our provider. Thank you for being our healer. Thank you for being our deliverer. Thank you for being our protector and our strong tower. Jesus, we honour you. And God, we know that you have commissioned us to bring and release your kingdom here. And yet so often we've just gone round the mountain up against the same problem and approached it the same way because we haven't yet, yet learnt this principle of how to take the nutrients from your working and apply it to the next situation. So teach us. Teach us your ways. Teach us your heart. Teach us how your kingdom operates so that we can continually be ones who are taking ground. And in the wake of us is a whole lot of other people who experience breakthrough because of the testimonies of your workings in our life. So Father, just upgrade our faith, I pray. As we look at this, as we we look at them later, as we flood Facebook with testimonies, God, I ask that you would increase our faith that you would help us to see things about your character and your nature that we, we just hadn't seen before because we hadn't taken the time. And God, we, we just repent of not feeding on what you have done. And, and we, we turn our hearts toward your heart and say, teach us your ways that we may know you. Just like Moses said, teach us your ways that we may know you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen.